work in the world for our good. Join host Jason McKnight as we explore practical issues of community, theology, and leadership in everyday life. O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Above thy deep and dreamless sleep, the silent stars go by. Yet in thy dark streets shineth the everlasting light. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. And so begins one of the best-loved Christmas carols, amazingly named, O Little Town of Bethlehem. Hmm. Well, I'm Jason McKnight, along with Ben Hendricks, and we want to welcome you here to Encounter Grace. We're going to talk about a bunch of Christmas carols today, and to do so, we've got Kent Henderson with us. He's no stranger to the Encounter Grace community. Uh, he does everything at Grace. What does he not do at Grace, Ben? Uh, <laughs> do not clean the restrooms. <laughs> does not well, clean the restrooms. Well, once in a while, I've seen it. <laughs> we <laughs> okay, we kind of throw it. Kent, thanks for coming along. I know yeah. you're busy at Christmas. Well, this is fun, though. <laughs> yeah, this is this part of it. As a, as a worship guy, this is one of our favorite scenes. Got us set though. Christmas carols, all the fun stuff about Christmas. So we well, love it. and that's what we want to talk about because we all sing carols, and and for four weeks, all the churches were were singing from the same corpus as well as new stuff. But they're really a special thing, and we just thought, as Ben and I were talking, as Ken, actually, you led us in staff, and we'll get to that in a little bit, but. Um, there's just something special about Christmas carols. So we thought we would encourage everyone with uh, what it is about Christmas carols that make them so fun. And then, Ben, you'll get to share your favorite. And when you first did a Christmas solo, maybe, maybe Ooh. not. Not today. <laughs> it could I, be sa- today. I sang this song in the, in the car today. Not well, may I add. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, uh, l- let's get Ken talking here. Um, what's your favorite? Do you have a favorite? I mean, can you have a favorite? My favorites change, but one favorite. It's like children. It's like my kids. kids. Which one is, who's doing what today? You get to decide. But one of my favorites, I will say, is God rest ye merry gentlemen. Mm. Uh, For several reasons. One, I just love the, I love that it's in minors. There's something, Mm. a lot of Christmas carols are in minors, and it's kind of got a different flavor to it. And um, a lot of kids, when they're learning music, especially piano, love to play in minors. That's always a favorite because it sounds haunting and it's kind of neat. Um, But there's a lot of stuff packed in there. But a couple of quick facts. This might be interesting. I did not know this until fairly recently. So God rest you, merry gentlemen. It's over 500 years old, and we don't, I don't know who wrote it. And I don't think anybody else does because everywhere I've looked, it's like author unknown. It's pretty old. Um, but here was the interesting thing. It's the only carol, the only song named in Charles Dickens, A Christmas Carol. So in other words, A Christmas Carol, this is the one he's talking about. Right. God rest you, Mary Gentlemen. <laughs> so you actually may be more familiar with it than most people oh, think. So that is the Christmas Carol. Um, here's what's interesting, though, because the title's a little funny. Like, mm-hmm. God rest you, Mary Gentlemen. We took on Robin Hood and his yeah, band of merry right, men. Right, in our tights. Right, but because of the era in which it was written, we know it was, you know, sort of um, this old five centuries ago. The word rest probably means more like um, to keep. And the word Mary has more of the idea of being strong and mighty, which is really this, the same idea as Robin Hood's mighty men. Mary men. You know, it's yes, not Mary like yes. they're just all cheesy smiles and grins and, jo- and jolly. Um, but the idea really is that mm. it's a reassurance that God will keep these men safe and strong through Christ because he's been born wow. on Christmas Day. So the, mm. the message is actually pretty rich. And I love the... Um, I love the line in the first verse that really reminds us why... 
we can rest confidently and why there can be joy. Because remember, Christ your Savior was born on Christmas Day to save us all from Satan's power. Like, like that's the why of why he came. It kind of dives right into our need mm-hmm. and the answer. And then, of course, tidings of comfort and joy. You know, that's right. where the hope right. was found. Anyway, there's, there's a lot of neat things in there. I did not know that about Mary and rest. Yeah. I like it. Old English. I didn't know it was the Christmas Carol. I know. <laughs> I know. Now thou, thou, thou dost know. <laughs> Let it be known unto thee as well. <laughs> oh man! Well, Charles Dickens. So that's the Christmas Carol from the Christmas that's Carol. A, carol. a yeah. Christmas Carol. Wow. Well, um, okay. So, so that's one of them, and, and actually, we'll all get to share one. But as a genre, as a type of music, because then there is Mariah Carey singing All I Want for Christmas is You, and that's not a Christmas carol, although we only sing it at Christmas. We don't sing it in church, thankfully, uh, except if you're singing it to Jesus. <laughs> wow. Well. But why why are these these songs, these Christmas carols, the ones that are Christian, why are they loved so much? What are, what are some of the reasons that maybe you guys have come across uh, or thought through uh as to why we all tend to gravitate towards them. I mean, there's a few bah humbugs out there that don't like them, but most people, yeah. they like at least one. What do you think? What I mean, what are some of the thoughts that come to your mind as we ask that question? Why are they loved so much? So this is just for me, right? Uh, but I, I think a lot of people, re- well, you, maybe you'll resonate with this, that there's something just so awesome to me about like a Christmas Carol puts theology to music, right? Like mm. there's, they're so theologically rich and a lot of worship songs are, but a lot of the, the, those really upbeat ones that I happen to really like as well, that get me excited. They're not as theologically rich. Like these are grounded in, uh, I mean, just a deep, deep theological truth that I often don't spend time thinking about like the one that, uh, I mean, my favorite Christmas Carol that we'll get to, like it just constantly makes connections for me. I'm like, I forget that those, mm. these two things are so deeply and well connected. And there, the, there's also like this kind of freshness because you only sing these once a, like right. one time a year. Right. Like, uh, I'm the kind of guy where I find the song that I love and I play it till it's dead. Hmm. <laughs> uh, I, it's hard for me to do that with, all of the all of the Christmas songs because I'm like I got I got the twenty ish days of it and then I, I don't touch it for another three hundred forty days. Right. Yeah. And, but then it's like brand new. I'm like oh, I found this brand new song. It's like that again. favorite toy when you're a kid and you forget about it and then it's like, yeah. oh this is yeah. fun again yeah. for a week. Yeah. yeah. And the, and so a part of that is like so they're theologically rich. I only get to play with them or so for like a mm-hmm. one time a year. And they're also like I don't know what the right word is like singable. Like they're mm. they're, they're catchy to me. They have a good tune. Mm-hmm. And for someone like I, I'm not the best singer. Uh, they don't always put me on the spot. Like uh, I get you just get to kind of be a part of it. Like I don't yeah. Know. They invite you to they 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 kind of invite you in. They invite you to sing. Yeah. So I like that. They're 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 fresh, but yet they're familiar. Yeah. And, and that that two sided piece of it is a good thing. Theologically deep, deep. Anything, mm-hmm. anything you'd add to that? I mean, I think that's exactly right. I think Ben, you hit the nail on the head. Yeah, I think it's interesting because you know there are not many times in our culture where people sing together or people mm-hmm. even listen to the same songs because there's so much stuff out there. You have your favorite, you know, radio station or Spotify playlist or whatever it is, but most people know a lot of the same repertoire of Christmas carols mm-hmm. and yeah. are even enough that they could sing along or if it was being played in a mall or a little group of carolers is coming through the neighborhood. So I think there's somewhat of that familiarity is helpful, whether you're a Christian and like this is, is 
the theology that is our foundation or whether you're maybe it's more like a sentimental thing or nostalgic right. thing because right. people kind of have that you know that mode at Christmas you know, put up the tree and the lights and the presents and it's kind of rolled in with those we know there's more to it mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. that's and, and I think on the theological side like you're saying Ben you know there's there's a mystery and a depth here. Some of these phrases I think we're going to pull out of these carols that are really rich, and it alludes to a mystery. We know that transcendent nature of God that's so revealed in the incarnation and in his birth and in the virgin birth. Um, but I think people have a longing for that, even if they don't know they do, that there's something more than just the pedantic everyday or just songs about broken hearts and bars and, you know, <laughs> Pickup trucks and I don't know. We're from the South, so I'm doing country themes, but it's, it's <laughs> right, kind of the same. It's, right. it's all broken hearts and mm-hmm. um, that there's something bigger than just yeah. my bubble. And I think that's that invokes something that God's put in us. Mm-hmm. People find that. It's amazing to me how much uh, bad news and good news in every Christmas carol. Like that's what they never mm-hmm. shy away from. And usually songs are, or, or lives or thoughts are only ever good news or only ever bad news. You watch the news on the TV or something and it's all bad news. Or other people are just like, they're, they're only pretending things are okay. But the carols, they give us everything. And I think that's real. Like, it, it invites us into the world as it really is. And so I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just fun to hear all these different reasons why they're loved so much. Let's get down to different carols. Let's talk about individual ones. Because, Kent, now we already alluded to this. You did something with us in staff meeting the other day that was a very cool exercise. Do that with us here in a little bit of a way. Because that was super helpful for those of us who are not in it all the time. Sure. So what we did was we took a familiar carol, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. And, uh, of course, when we sing that song, it's very fast. You know, it's kind of upbeat. And sometimes when you sing a fast song, you don't have as much time to kind of dwell on the lyrics, kind of meditate on it. Um, which is, you know, it's fine. It's just yeah. different. So we said, let's do this. Let's take the words. And we just printed out the words. We didn't sing it. Uh, but the six of us there around the table. And I said, let's just take a few minutes and go through it and circle things that were just on the printout of um, things you see about who God is or theological points or truths that we know from Scripture, what it says about who God is or who we are. And, I mean, we you guys pulled out so many things from that. And realizing it's not scripture, but it's drawn from scripture because mm-hmm. it's poetry, right? Mm-hmm. But um, there are so many things in there. Like, for example, in the very first verse, um, God and sinners reconciled. Like, that's a really concise summary of the gospel. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't explain yeah. how, it doesn't explain Jesus yet, but but that's the essence of the reuniting uh, portion of the gospel and in verse 2, and you guys talked about this recently in another podcast, the incarnation itself. In verse 2, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Like there's a lot in those six words right there. Um, you see the unity of the Father and Son. You see the incarnation. And you see the hidden nature. Like there's Jesus in kind of an unexpected way as a baby, not a a, a king on a powerful, you know, riding into yeah. town, but in a little backwoods town. And then the call to hail the incarnate deity, mm-hmm. like worship him yeah. as God because he is. There's just so many things in there. Um, you know, and you guys saw some of that. What are some of those mm-hmm. other things? So many different titles for who he was. Yeah. yeah um, that was interesting to come out. Yeah. We don't even see the name Jesus until the end of uh, verse two, but we see other titles for him. He's the offspring of the virgin's womb. He's the incarnate deity. We just said he is the Christ. So in other words, the anointed one, the redeeming one that had been promised. Um, he is the newborn King. 
So even those two words, king and newborn, don't usually go together. Somebody pointed right. that out. Right. But I thought that was that was a good point. Like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. you're either newborn, but you have to rise to kingship. Mm-hmm. Well, not if you were king from heaven's throne and the father's <laughs> hey, like, oh, right. there's a lot to there's a lot to rejoice in about that. Mm-hmm. So we just kind of walked through that. And what a, it was a fun exercise because mm-hmm. there's so much there to unpack that we're singing. And, and when you sing something, I think we know this, especially if you if you memorize it or if you've done it enough to be familiar, it really becomes a part of you more than just reading something. Um, right. po- poetry is powerful like that. That's why it's written in meter and in rhyme and hmm. especially put to a tune because it locks in a different part of the brain. Um, and we're just locking in truth. Yeah. Yeah. And, and sending it out of our mouths when we sing it. Like we own it as we sing it, it which is kind of cool. And Hark the Herald. How about you, Ben? What's, uh, what's one that's meant a lot to you over the years, A, a Christmas Carol? Uh, so there, it's hard for me to always answer this because I really have two that I rely heavily on. Yeah, a lot of still everybody's good ones. <laughs> wow, there's so many. Uh, one yeah, that so I just remember, uh, I actually, I heard that for the first time, believe it or not, I was in, as a freshman in college and I'd never heard this. Somehow I'd never heard this. I didn't grow up going in or grow up in church and I heard Josh Groban sing it and it, like, it meant the world. It was, oh, holy night. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't a Christian at the time, but I just remember being like, what a powerful song. And now it's very possibly that was because Josh Groban and he's a powerful God. But I remember like, again, not being a believer, just thinking about those words and like, these are powerful. Mm. I mean, cause it's this entire song that's reminding that the redemption of all humanity is directly linked to the birth of a baby. Like that's powerful that it's not just, I mean, it absolutely. Yes. Is the cross, but that cross started with a cradle, Right. And that, 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 like, idea has just been such a powerful one that, I mean, it's all of Jesus' life that's redemption, and that leads to it. It's not just the end, but the beginning as well, and the middle. Uh, the one that, uh, mm-hmm. through, in seminary that I heard for the first time, somehow, I, I missed out on this one too, was O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Oh, I mean, yeah. just, like, the idea from absence to presence, from dark to light, from death to life, from misery to joy, I mean, the arrival of the son, arrival of Emmanuel is the difference maker hmm. for all of these. And to me, that's like a breathtaking truth because I, sometimes I forget that. I'm like, well, he came. So now we still out. We just stick. Right. We stick through all the difficulty and the hardship, you know, until he comes again. And we're like, well, no, he came and in, he brought darkness or brought light to darkness and life from death and joy to misery. And we'll see that in fullness to, in one day. But we're still seeing it right now. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, that's just such a powerful thing. Cause it, it's that like, to me, it's one of those songs that's, a, uh, that kind of puts us in the middle of what Advent is about. Like looking backwards and Thanksgiving going, thank you for all that you've done, but also looking forward going, and I can't wait for you to finish it. I can't mm-hmm. wait for it to come to completion and for you to come again. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel kind of puts me in the middle of that. Right. And it's true. Cause it's not, you came, you came up, Emmanuel. Yeah. Like it puts you <laughs> yeah. in the voice of, the anticipation and the voice of the waiting and yeah. the pleading, the longing. not the not that we're singing about what has been, although we're here in twenty twenty two. Yeah, so uh, there's there's something neat about the presentness of it. I mean, I mean, let's unpack that that hymn though. Uh, yeah. O come, O come, Emmanuel, because not only is it is it that we're in the middle and we're longing and we're waiting, it's also like. It's a it's a Bible study. It's a seminary course. It's like a biblical mm. theology just being poured out there. I mean, there's just some unbelievable truths there. 
not only Emmanuel, God with us, but but what are some of the other? Oh, come thou rod of Jesse free. Well, now we're talking about David's. Uh, King David, Jesse's son, and you almost never hear Jesus referred to as the rod of Jesse, mm-hmm. but once or twice, and whoever wrote this was doing a Bible study. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe there in Isaiah. Yeah. And it's true. Like every verse starts with a different title. Mm-hmm. Rod of Jesse. What are the others? Uh, thou day spring. Yeah. Come like, thou so that's like a sunrise, like day spring. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Come thou wisdom from on high, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. come desire of nations. I don't know a lot about writing music. It sounds like you usually put a lot of repetition. This one doesn't have as much of that one. Like uh-huh. it feels like it changes it. You get uh-huh. the O come, O come, which is great. But yeah. uh, I mean, yeah, just the way it starts. O come, O come, Emmanuel and ransom captive Israel. Like I even say it the way that so many people yeah, think. Israel. It. Yeah. Yeah, 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 Israel. Yeah, because yeah. I'm in the Lord's army. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I would never. He joined the army. Army. Your son? <laughs> uh, that, the, Back on track, guys. That mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appears. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel. Like, I just find that so powerful. I mean, this is one of those songs that one of the very few, if not the only one, that I will listen to year-round. Hmm. This one doesn't quite feel so Christmassy. It is. Your quiet time. Well, I mean, I, I'll play. I'll bump this one in the car on the way to church, you know. Bump it. <laughs> I hear it slaps. Yeah. All we can say. <laughs> it's a lit the song. The youth guy knows. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, the, uh, the, the verse with the, the day spring, though, mm. come and cheer our spirits by thine advent here. Mm. Disperse the gloomy clouds of night and death's dark shadow put to flight. I mean, that's what we're longing. I mean, the world is longing for the sunrise from heaven to mm. come, like Zechariah and Malachi. Come. I love that. Disperse mm-hmm. the gloomy clouds of night. Because don't you think anybody can relate to that? Yeah. Like if you're if you're not understanding the gospel, but man, there's well, everybody has a longing for mm-hmm. like, take the gloom away, put the shadows. Yeah. yeah. I just think that's there's such, a, there's so much hope there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Also, then talk about the music with us because you, yeah. you mentioned a little bit minor, but but I think O Come O Come Emmanuel really is like a. It is interesting, and it has that haunting mm-hmm. feel to it. You know, we can all kind of hear it in our mind, and that's just a minor key or what they call a Aeolian mode, um, but it has a natural darkness to it, at least to a Western ear, mm-hmm. which ours are. And what happens is you're seeing it well reflected in the words, and that's what good writing does. Uh, words, mm-hmm. and even in verse 1, we need ransom. There's mourning. There's yeah. loneliness. There's exile. Mm-hmm. Those are all words of pain and, and struggle. Those are not, these are not the happy parts yet. <laughs> this is the right. crying out for. But what's the chorus say? Rejoice, rejoice. Mm-hmm. Well, instantly it turns major. You know, yeah. rejoice. And it just it brightens right up. And you can feel that if you're in a room with people. Like you're kind of waiting for that chorus to hit. And then, and then the song goes higher, and it gets major, and it gets brighter. It's like the mm-hmm. lights come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but then it goes right back down for the next verse. Mm-hmm shall come to the Israel because it's still looking to the future shall come. Mm. So mm. there's still mm. this longing for, but we know we're going to rejoice because God is with us, Emmanuel. I so I that. think a lot of Christmas carols do that well using the minor and probably we could stand to do that better. Even in our regular cycle of worship during the year, embrace the lament, which is mm-hmm. what some of this is embracing mm-hmm. the, you know, the gloomy clouds of night, death, dark shadows, uh, and then taking comfort in the, the sovereignty and the righteousness of, of God. One last thing I love about this is not only Ben is it between uh, between the two comings, and so we're still praying this and singing this all year round. <laughs> and then not only is it like a biblical theology, a great study course, and then the musical side of it, the minor key to the rejoice in the major. I love that it's fifteen hundred years old. Uh-huh. Like to me, I love that. Oh. 
we're still singing something that thousands and millions of our forebears might have sung. And that just gives me a place in the story. It just roots a little yeah. bit. So I, I think that's kind of a fun thing. And, and I also love all the new ones. I, yeah. I love new, new, you know, songs to the Lord, but also the old ones. Um, yeah. Any more on that or? That's good though. Well, not, and not this song in particular, but I mean, just like on my drive here today, like I'm hearing some of these carols on the radio, which on is the, really a, a power. Like, so uh, we join with, I mean, millions of people before us, right, who have sung these songs, but like, and they're also being played for millions of people right now. Like, I, it's such right. an interesting time of the year mm-hmm. where, mm-hmm. and these are explicitly Christian. Like, these are gospel centric, Jesus focused songs. Like, they're not like on the side they toss in Jesus. Like, these are wholeheartedly focused on Him and His arrival and His coming and what that means for us. And they're just. Kind of like it, it feels haphazardly just tossed onto the radio. <laughs> right? How are we getting away with? Yeah, this? like the, and like, so I, I, know, that, I think are, about uh, that. I'm just like playing at Walmart. <laughs> like I always wait. I'm waiting for the year where the song comes on and they just like kind of blur out Jesus Christ. Right. Like and I'm like, but it's there. Yeah. And it almost takes me by shock. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love That's it. Good. I love it. And they do. I mean, I do think people are are like blurring it. I'm not saying it's a conspiracy. I'm just saying, yeah, you know, as people get more secular, they blur sure. more things. But I'm with you. I love to think that it's going out over the airwaves, hmm. and uh, or or the Josh Grobins and the whoever else is at Christmas. Their their YouTube videos are getting millions of views and all yeah. that kind of stuff. Um, I think another fun thing about carols in general are several of them have some really cool stories behind them, some really mm-hmm. interesting backstories. And I think we've we've thought of a couple of them to to tell today, Kent. Yeah, and you had mentioned O Holy Night, Ben, which is actually one of my favorite stories behind the song story. Mm-hmm. There's uh, several things about it that are interesting. It was written by um, a Frenchman named Placide Capot, uh, who was a minister, and he was commissioned to write something for the Christmas service. So he wrote the words, but then he had uh, he enlisted a friend to help write the music because he wasn't a musician, a guy named Adolf Adams, mm-hmm. who was a... A Jewish man and said, and actually he did not believe Jesus was the son of God. So it was a little bit of a conflict, like, well, I like how you've written this. I'll put music to it. So here's music by a non-Christian mm. that's become one of the most loved wow. hymns of all time. Um, and it became, it became very well loved throughout France. Well, then two things interesting about that happened afterward. One was it kind of made its way over to the States at this time because we were during our civil war. And so the mm. second verse of a holy night, which we'll be familiar with, or it's really um, verse 3. Truly he taught us to love one another. His law is love and his gospel is peace. Chains shall he break, for the mm. slave is our brother. Wow. And in his name, all oppression shall cease. So this verse really caught the heart and the ear of several abolitionists in the U.S. and the entire abolitionist movement and became an anthem. Uh, for the abolitionists during the Civil wow. War era. And wow. so it has that connotation um, both explicitly for the gospel and then almost explicitly for what he says there, that the slave becomes our brother. This is a very real thing going on in the culture at the time, and not just in the U.S., but here's where it kind of took hold. And so it really became a powerful um, sort of mm. movement song leading the charge in its day, Oh Holy Night, even while I was associated with Christmas. The other interesting just kind of fact about it is there's a guy named um, Ronald, uh, I'm not sure his first name, Fezenden was his last name, but he mm. he was a um, Morse code guy. And this was all that was happening with radio waves at the time was Morse code. There was no spoken word. There was no radio being played with music on it. And um, they were experimenting with that, though. 
And so this guy, Fezzenden, was the first guy to transmit something other than just beeps via Morse code and the little tapping electric you know, clicker. Yeah. And so the first song, he picked up his violin from a ship in harbor. It was just played mm-hmm. to a little place on shore where they received the Morse code. And these guys were shocked when they heard Oh Holy Night coming through a violin. <laughs> wow. It was Christmas Eve. And he was testing it to see if it would work. And lo and behold, it did. And then he read Luke 2. So he mm-hmm. read the Christmas story and played this hymn. And that's the first song that was ever played on radio. So it's kind of wild. It's got a uh, kind of a power. That was 1906. Wow. So kind of wow. a neat, neat little story behind it. You know, that that's interesting. So the first first words over the radio, Luke 2. Mm-hmm. Um, do, you, do you know this? This is like absolutely not Christmas carols, but the first. 1969, they went to the, or right before 69, in the 60s when they went, to, were going to the moon. Were moon going, landing. And, and before the moon landing, they, they had to orbit or something and... The first broadcast from space back to the earth, they started with, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Like Genesis 1, like they just kind of brought that. I'm like, man, the Lord has so many more more, uh, fingerprints on this world than people give him credit for. Uh, How about this one, though, Kent? I heard the bells on Christmas Day. Henry... Wadsworth Longfellow. Wadsworth Longfellow. How much is it Wadsworth? <laughs> well, always a Longfellow. Um, so this was, this is a great story too. And this song's this been re- is remade a, a lot. So again, this is a Civil War era. So 1863, two years into the war. Um, so, you know, Henry has a couple of horrible things that happen. Oh, we've lost him. <laughs> we're going to get him I back. I feel like that was the reason why we started this podcast, for just for that joke. <laughs> How much is it Wadsworth? Well, um, they had, so he's, he's a well-known writer at that time, poet, but they have a fire that happens in their home and his wife is, it happens overnight. Her dress catches on fire. Mm. She's, and he's, well, actually he's napping. He's waking from his nap to this horrible thing. His wife's dress on fire. Um, and he actually gets in the fire as well. He obviously survives. She does not. Mm. So he loses his wife in this terrible uh, tragedy at home. Um, and he's pretty badly burned to the point that, after this, he grows his beard out to hide the scars because he has a lot of facial scarring oh. from the fire. So he's kind of known for this beard. Like any you know image you've seen of him, he has this beard. It was kind of his his thing. And that was really as a response to the fire. So this tragedy with his wife. And then his son, he's sent off to war. He's in Virginia on the lines of the Civil War. And um, he becomes ill, and then he becomes wounded and um just bad stuff has happened all over the place. His son is uh, hit almost in his spine, mm. and um, he goes to meet him, and is formed by the surgeon that his, he might be paralyzed his entire life. So this is his son. So his wife, and he's injured, and now his son, very uh, near to that, is uh, just severely wounded. So all this is going on, and that Christmas... He hears the bells in his town, mm. and then um, you know around as people are singing in the in the churches, he hears singing of peace on earth and from Luke two. But he looks around and he he thinks of basically the injustice and the pain and the violence, and as he puts it, that seems to mock this poem or seems to mock this fact that he's hearing that there's peace on earth, and so he writes about it mm. uh, and he puts these words down. I heard the bells on Christmas Day. Those old familiar carols play, wild and sweet. The words repeat of peace on earth. Goodwill to men. And he goes on, and it feels like it's going to be a pleasant, upbeat hymn, but you know where he's going. He goes, um, listen to this verse. This is one I've not heard as much. And then from each black accursed mouth, the cannon thundered in the south. And with the sound, the carols drowned of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Again, we're in civil war. Mm-hmm. And in despair, I bowed my head. 
There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. So I love that you were talking about earlier, embracing the harsh reality. Really, it's just the fallenness. This is a sinful world. It's the brokenness. But he doesn't stop there. It's still a song of hope. The last verse. Then pealed, pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor does he sleep. The wrong shall fail. The right prevail with peace on earth. Goodwill to men. Yeah. So here's a guy who's lost his wife, nearly lost his son, been wounded, and looks around and sees his nation being torn apart mm-hmm. um, and says, even still, kind of like Job, you know, yet will I still serve him though he slay me yeah. uh, and puts it in these powerful words that we, we still hear. So really good, really rich and honest. I mean, I'm t- literally tearing up. <laughs> I, mean, wow. I mean, seriously, the power of the gospel in these songs and then mm-hmm. the reality of the world, yep. you know, the cannons from the south and the mouth yeah. and the, not shining I mean, that. man, and in despair, I, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's tough, but fall on your knees. Yeah. Um, so, well, let's do two more questions. Let's, uh, you know, as people are listening and they're driving and they're singing and they'll go back to their stuff. We have a corpus of 20, 30 songs, Christmas carols that we'll mm-hmm. do a lot. But then there's probably another hundred that aren't in the top 20 that people know and love. And yet those two, maybe they're not a singable or maybe they just are out of fashion and they need to be brought back. But there's really some great ones there. Yeah. Kent, I know every year you threaten to do this one. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't yet. But, yeah, but I think it'd be great. But tell us why and what is it? And, and some people may have heard of this. It's called Lo, How a Rose Air Blooming. So you feel very fancy when you say it. <laughs> Probably in a British accent is the best way to do that. Oh, how a rose air blooming. Uh, and it's not one that we hear a lot sung, but it's really, it's really rich. It's actually very short. There's just, um, two parts to it, but there's some. Ben's looking it up. There's some, yeah. That's exactly that's right. Apostrophe ER air. <laughs> if you're looking. Uh, but it really harkens back. I think we referenced a couple of the, um, lineages that we mm. see, like in Matthew one, you know, we're familiar with Luke two. Right. Maybe we don't spend as much time in Matthew one, the lineage, because it just feels perfunctory. It's just the, you know, but there's a lot there. Lo, how a rose air blooming. So again, referring to Christ as a rose from tender stem has sprung of Jesse's lineage coming mm. as those of old have sung. It came a floweret bright amid the cold of winter. When half spent was the night. So referring back to Jesse, the lineage, um, and those of old have sung like reminder, this has been thousands of years of this promised one to come. And the second verse refers to the prophet. Oh, Isaiah twas foretold it, the rose I have in mind. And with Mary, we behold it, the virgin mother kind. So again, linking boy, that prophecy, you know, we, we do go back to Isaiah 53, you know, and, and think about, oh, he, who he is going to be, who's coming, the anticipation. And then Mary bringing it forth. So he ties the prophecy and the fulfillment together mm. um, to show God's love aright. She bore to us a savior when half spent was the night. So a simple little song, yeah. but a lot of scripture, a lot of history, you know, biblical history there packed into the the savior's coming. Mm. She bore to us a savior. Wow. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Um, I, <clears throat> there's, there's, there's a few more we could, we could talk about, but we need to land the plane. We need to get all the way to, um, Joy to the world isn't really a Christmas carol, is it, Kent? It's true. I hate to burst anybody's bubble. <laughs> ben, oh, no. Ben has a terrible look in his What? <laughs> Wait till you hear about the tooth fairy. <laughs> uh, I think you're going to say Santa. Oh, no. 
No. Um, it's technically not, but we sing it at Christmas. And first of all, that's fine. It's yeah, okay. That's, we do, and I always fine. will. Um, written by Isaac Watts, who is a prolific English hymn writer. It's well-known. He's written a lot of the hymns that we still do. Um, but it's really written as it was inspired by Psalm 98, taken from there, um, and really written in anticipation of the second coming. So it's really more about that. And um, the title, even Joy to the World, that's where he gets, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Mm. So that's that's that portion of Psalm 98, verse 4. There's this funny quote from Isaac Watts, um, is where he grew up in a world where music in every worship service was only hymns or only psalms or sections of Scripture that were put to music. Like, those were kind of the rules in his era. Hmm. And it says... Um, he found a lack of joy and emotion among the congregants as they sang, which doesn't like that might have been a more of a congregant problem than the material problem. <laughs> but, but he says, but he says, to, it's just very British of him to see the dull indifference, the negligent and thoughtless air that sits upon the faces of the assembly while the psalm is upon their lips might even mm-hmm. tempt a charitable observer to suspect the fervency of their inward religion, <laughs> which only a writer would write a critique that way of his yeah. own church. People not singing well. So clearly he was in student ministry. <laughs> <laughs> is that how it feels every week? So he's like, we got to sing with joy. So his whole thing was to do with joy. So joy to the world. But you see that. Um, I think my favorite evidence of that is in verse three, uh, as far as being the second coming. Yeah. Far as the curse is found. Hmm. Right. So that's is. the refrain. Yeah. Far as the curse is found. Far as the curse is found. Oh, well, that takes us all the way back to the initial coming of the curse. The initial um you know, implications of sin and effects of it when he says, no more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. Oh, where do we hear about thorns for the first time? Well, in the garden, one of the punishments, you know, pain pain and labor and childbirth, it will be difficult to, uh, you know, harvest from the ground, there'll be thorns. Interestingly, and I don't know if this is in his mind, but the only other place we kind of think about thorns in the Bible is at the cross. I don't know. Maybe I'm reading into it too much. No, I like it. But it's interesting. You can't Christ, read too much. Christ became a curse for us, right? So, so I'm thinking there might be something. I don't know if that was in Isaac Watts' mind, but there's something to that. He would have thought it if he had thought it. <laughs> he probably did. He's way ahead of his time. Um, but then that last verse, he rules the world with truth and grace. So this is about the ruling of Christ as king. And he makes the nations prove. You know, so we think revelation every uh, tongue, tribe, and nation worshiping the glories of his righteousness. So it's a song of celebration, but it's actually perfect to sing at Christmas because as you said, O come, O come, Emmanuel is looking forward to the God being with us the first time, Jesus in the flesh. So here we are on the other side of that. And while we rejoice in that, we're also looking forward to his return as king. So it's, it's both a looking back and a looking forward, which is where we are as the church. Mm-hmm. I mean, Ben, feedback? Comment. I, I even have the notes and I learned a lot. Like, I, <laughs> Joy to the world. I'm going to listen to some of these songs in a different way. Like, I didn't know the backstory on some of these. Oh, this is amazing. amazing. It's amazing. Well, Ken, thank you for leading yeah, us through. Fun. Thanks for meeting with all of us here today as we're driving down the road or cooking dinner or whatever we're doing yeah. when you're listening to this. Thank you all for joining with us. Go out and sing your favorite carol off tune if you need to. Uh, but just sing it. Go tell it on the mountain. <laughs> As we end every glow service, That's right. we end it with go tell it on the mountain because this message is not for us. It's for the rest of the world. And we're going to take here at Encounter Grace a little bit of a break. And we'll see you back here in the first week of 2023 with uh, some fun to kick off the new year. So thank you for joining us today. Have a very merry Christmas and a uh, happy new year. 
This is a ministry of Grace Fellowship Church in Kinston, North Carolina. Visit gracekinston.org or follow us on Facebook and Instagram.